0: Welcome to Radio
1: Free Murktown, a podcast focusing on and funded by the gaming community at ExplorersUnlimited.com. More than just another play-by-post website, Explorers Unlimited is one of the world's largest online communities of Palladium Books fans who are taking part in a single epic storyline in each dimension, within which all player characters can interact. Explorers Unlimited, where the only thing missing from the greatest adventures ever imagined is you. And now here's the host of Radio Free Murktown, Lloyd Ritchie. Welcome to
2: another episode of Radio Free Murktown. This would be Radio Free Murktown, episode number 48. Unless I've, you know, miscounted it someplace. Um, my name is Lloyd, your host as always, aka Augur and Jezebel. And today we have uh, Kyle and Tony uh, in for the episode. Uh, gentlemen, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves?
0: I am Tony. I'm, uh fairly Longstanding EU player uh, coming back active again. Uh, my primary character is Vortigern, Vortigern, who is a Palladium Fantasy Summoner. And I also play in the Heroes Unlimited Dimension uh, under the name of Faraday.
1: How's it going? My name's Kyle. Uh, I'm actually a relatively new member to, uh, to EU. I've only been here for about eight months, roughly. Uh, my primary character is Wolf a uh, dual-wielding gunslinger uh, on Rift's Earth, and my secondary character is uh, Raz. He's a uh, Seljuq in uh, Phase World. All righty.
2: So just as an overview of the subject matter for the episodes, I'm going to go through the new patron shout-outs, which are nice and brief, Uh, but there are some, which is always nice coming out of the holiday season, where oddly they often decline. I think people prioritize giving gifts to their... Relatives over, you know, uh, supporting a podcast, <laughs> uh, which I don't blame them. Uh, then we're going to uh, dive into a quick overview of available games on EU uh, that covers not just the Riffs uh, groups, but uh, all the currently available games and their status. Um, and then we're going to dive into the available Rule 20 campaigns in 2020 because there were quite a bit of. Uh, shenanigans, polls, choices made by the players. It was all democratically done. So uh you have no one to blame but yourselves <laughs> and democracy if you like. Um and then we're going to go into a uh the 3025 setting of one of the world, new Roll world 20 campaigns which is a time of war and have a QA session uh, between these uh two guys and myself and then we're going to uh have our Steam Key giveaway and Cut the mics and start playing Roll20 ourselves. Um, so, just to start things off, uh, thank you very much to the new patrons Christian Hodges, uh, returning um, from a long absence over on, on the Savage Rift side, and uh, Tony B, who's here with us coincidentally today as uh, one of our new patrons. Thanks for your support, gentlemen. Now, let's just go ahead and dive right into the overview of available games on EU. So how about you guys uh, open up just telling us which group's games you're in?
1: So um, I'm in uh, one of the Rift's Earth Murktown groups. Uh, Wolf is uh, is in the uh, Roughnecks. They're a uh, group of interesting individuals who kind of do all right, but don't always do the right thing. Uh,
0: Is that all for you?
1: you? You can go ahead.
0: Okay. Um, My only currently active character is Faraday, who uh, is in the Heroes Unlimited Century Station game, uh, which, for those who aren't familiar, is kind of like a suicide squad uh, premise group where uh, the characters are various types of superpowered individuals that are more or less press ganged into, uh, fighting crime as it were, uh, in the kind of dystopian century century station city setting. Um, so not rips, but, um, it could still have a lot going on. You know, I think that is something that, uh, heroes unlimited tends to, you know, be underappreciated on is, uh, the real breadth uh, that it has as as a setting
2: yeah and why don't we uh, since you, you know, brought that one up why don't we just go into a quick overview of here's unlimited century station um that's currently active uh the the dimension master for that setting is a uh, black haunt he's been running that setting since i abandoned it well over a decade ago i think uh, and um Uh, They currently have just the one group, uh, the Alpha Squad, uh, and there are a number of characters in there. Uh, As Tony already kind of covered, the game is set in Century Station, which is geographically ambiguous, but it's in a near-future Earth, in the, like, 2040s or 2050s, maybe, and uh, after First Contact has been made, and there's a bunch of other stuff, but uh, you can it's straight canon uh setting wise but with all of uh uh, black haunts uh little twists and turns that he's uh he's built into the that he's baked into the cake as it were so it's a pretty interesting setting like i said i kind of started it up a long time ago and after uh, a short couple of years of uh running that i I go ahead and I handed that off to black he's handled it ever since. So it's pretty much his baby at this point. Um, But so there is that. And um, let's see what, oh, and the other um, heroes unlimited game is currently on hiatus on hold, if you will. And that is the heroes unlimited galactic game. I'm hoping to restart that by the beginning of next year. Um, There, they got put on hold because we dropped the in, in player count and it was at a really bad place in the storyline to introduce new characters. So unfortunately for that, for the time being, that is on hold. Once I've dropped some of my own, uh, jamming responsibilities and riffs, I'm hoping to bring that back. So I'm hoping to get that accomplished by, uh, beginning of next year at the latest. Um, I guess, uh, this, I can, uh, we can segue into, since we covered uh, heroes, why don't we uh, tackle fantasy? Um, And we have no one currently active in the chat here who's in a fantasy game. But uh, they have two groups. Um, I'm still presently the DM, uh, Augur, but I'm hoping to hand that off pretty soon. As part of my uh, shedding responsibility phase of 2020, <laughs> and uh, but and I currently run one of the groups. They have a uh, uh, they have a group and B group. Um, a group is kind of dark side ish, uh, so they're not the goody two shoes. B group's more noble in their uh, in their aims and goals and manners of uh, getting things done. Uh, but that's uh, set in uh, the canonical Eastern Territories setting with Lorne as kind of like a uh, a merc town or a home base of operations for the fantasy group. Um, And and, uh, it's a it's a real interesting and off overlooked setting, even though it's got a ton of setting content material. And uh, but that's a general overview of, uh, of the setting there. And Eva is currently the the GM that covers the the dark side group,
0: as it were. Yeah, I think fantasy is often kind of, you know, once again, I feel kind of similarly uh, about it as I do Heroes Unlimited is uh, it's underappreciated, you know, people tend to kind of look at it and think it's like d and light, but it has a lot more depth and nuance to it as a setting and is just as kind of, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, like dimensionally wacky. Uh, as anything else, Palladium, um, you know you can run into a lot of strange stuff in the fantasy setting.
2: Yeah, uh, Palladium Fantasy's got just a, a mile wide and a mile deep of depth to the setting uh, content. so it's a it's a great one to explore whether or not you're new to uh, new to the setting or not because uh, there's lots of room to explore there, uh, especially if you have a creative GM and a group that doesn't mind traveling. Uh, but moving along to uh phase world, they have uh, two groups, the galactic rogues and adventures. They've been going for a long time, well over a decade. Uh, and the dimension master in there is a uh, dark Lord. He's had it from the get go. He has a huge overarching meta campaign and it's been going active for about 14 years or so, I think. So it's, it's quite lengthy. And, um, the GM for one for the one of the two groups is uh, consumer, and the uh, and Dark Lord handles another one of the groups himself. And uh, that one, if you're looking to play something that's just off the charts, weird, wacky, or uh, super powerful, this is the setting for you. It's a galactic scale, uh, huge, you know, uh, massive arcs uh, that uh, you know affect the canonical setting so it's i mean everything from time travel to you name it it's all in there um it so this is uh if you want to make the super munchkin character trust me this is the setting for you because he's going to be rubbing elbows he or she is going to be rubbing elbows with other munchkin superpower uh, powerful characters and um, you'll be facing comparable adversaries and perhaps even more so um but there's Phase World. It's your kitchen sink of super, of super high power characters and uh, high power setting, and, and on a galactic scale and with an epic campaign narrative. So, so it's go big or go home for Phase World.
0: Yeah, Vortigern, um, Before he went and before I went inactive, was in the Galactic Rogues, and um, I'd have to give two thumbs up to the setting as well. Uh, and definitely say that yes, it's it's go big or go home, and uh, be ready to get into the deep end of the pool when you start finding things there.
2: Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing small in Phase World when you're when the backdrop of your setting is three galaxies. I mean, <laughs> that's big. Uh, and now for the transition to our uh, final chunk of the site, uh, and this is not to take anything away from Savage rips which has a multitude of things going forward and uh, not just uh riffs itself but with the savage system but also other settings like Shane Tar and tedlands and you can you can t- take a look over at savage to get any information you want from them they're a very active group bunch of great guys and super involved and a number of them are actually getting published uh getting their content published uh through savage worlds and uh you know, Pinnacle Entertainment Group themselves. So uh, they're pretty high high quality rollers over there. Um, but now to dovetail that with our, our present iteration of Rifts on the Palladium side of Explorers Unlimited, um, we have, it, it is basically a Merc Town focused, as in this is the home base to which everyone returns. Bec- and it's on Rifts Earth, but each, GG, each GM can basically take his or can basically take his group wherever the group wants, but they always come back home. Uh, so they can do the dimension hopping and all that good stuff, and uh, there's been no shortage of them jumping over into Phase World or something like that, having a visit. Uh, but they always come back to, to Merktown as the home base of operations, and, and Merktown on the forums is uh, fully statted out, so it's a – a live setting in which you can in, interact with not only members of your own group but also members of other groups if they happen to be in town uh, within the canonical setting of Um uh, and there are a number of groups and varying statuses uh, so assuming everything is still up to date on the on the site uh, heroes for hire has currently no openings they're the longest standing uh, group and uh, they are kind of like a good, noble—you uh, know—your classic adventurers, uh, led by Sir Ronith Turand, who is a Cyber Knight, played by one of the oldest players on site, as well who also kind of doubles as Dark Lord, uh, GMing and DMing Phase World. Uh, the next group is the Spook Squad. Uh, they usually have an opening; uh, they currently do at present, um, but. That kind of, you know, there's there's always some level of turnover. They're the site's uh, team evil, if you wish. Uh, so they're not literally bad guys, but they're very, uh, whatever achieves the end is, is is good by them by and large. Well,
1: they're not the nicest guys.
0: Yeah, no, no. Uh, the code uh, is more guys. like guidelines. <laughs> exactly. um
2: then you have the Templar. Uh, they're currently uh, G- being GM'd by a consumer, and uh, they're they're basically crusaders against the super against supernatural evil. Um, and so, the, you know, that's kind of their their stick. Fire uh, is more of a just general mercs, but with good leanings and all that, and kind of getting high powered because Sirranith is really high level at this stage. Um, and then you have the roughnecks who are straight up mercs uh they have an opening as well uh they're currently GM by hannibal cool. kind of hannibal uh he'll be taking over as soon as uh the doom of nexla crossover adventure is over and that crossover adventure involves not only the spook squad and the roughnecks but also another group we'll talk about it here in a second called mars um, but we do have a player from the Roughnecks here. So, uh, what would you like to say about them? If anything, huh? um,
1: well, I mean, they're a pretty good group. They've got, uh, two openings. Uh, like you said, they're straight up Merck handle just about any job you throw at them with professionalism. There
2: you go. So the, the, the basic straight Merck group, uh that's, they're one of them. Um, then there's, uh, I think I'll cover the restricted access guys last, uh, then the next uh, is uh, MARS, uh, Marktown Armored Recon Services. They're also a straight Merc group. They don't currently have a GM, although they are involved in the Doom of Nix, the crossover adventure, being run by myself. And, uh, and so um, hopefully they'll have a GM here pretty soon. We've had a flurry of recent applications, and we'll help to get those processed and get people situated with GMs and AGMs quickly. Um, And they're led by a a Psy ghost uh, by the name of Rocky, who's one of the oldest characters on site. It's a recurring theme. The oldest, longest-lasting characters often end up having or leading their own Merc groups. Um, And uh, the next one would be another straight Merc group, uh, AA Professional Services, otherwise known as AAPS. Uh, They're a straight Merc group. I don't believe they have any openings. Uh, They're being jammed by Undergard. Who's a relative newcomer to you? And he's only been here like a year or so, but uh, he's proven himself to be quite uh, consistent, reliable, and uh, I, I imagine they're enjoying some of the benefits of that right
1: now. I um, actually then, became the uh, AGM for that group as well.
2: Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, and then there's also the girls from Marktown who are also a straight up group that is General Investigation, Resolution and Liberation Services. Um, being led currently by Jezebel, my own character, again, uh, although I think she's one of the most lower level characters leading a group. Um, but they're kind of uh, uh, female focused characters, although there's always a hoe, uh, a, a, a male uh, among them. And uh, well, we have a we have Legion as our GM at, at this present. We've had quite a turnover of GMs in the last since the since the group got started, but things are finally settling down. I hope and uh, getting back on, on the pace. I think Underguard might actually be taking it over because Legion maybe that didn't pan out. Not sure. Uh, it's been sketchy. IRL sometimes affects GMs, and when that uh, happens, oof, that can cause issues. Um, however, there is uh, there are two restricted games on site, meaning you have to you have to actually um, go through a slightly different character creation because the gear isn't handled by the character creation folks. Uh, it's handled by the GM of the group because they are effectively sponsored groups. Uh, you're the Eurasia game was centered in in the uh, NGR and Europe, and that is currently on hold. And jammed uh, by uh, consumer. <clears throat> and then you have the CS 44th uh, game, which is a legit straight up, you're playing the CS. So all the characters are, are coalition states members. And uh, that's being jammed by CSI command, who's been keeping that going for many years now. Uh, so that's a general overview of, of, of riffs. And what we got available there, gentlemen. If you have any uh, anything else you'd like to add, feel free to shoot.
1: Uh, join Mars. Currently, Mars is probably the uh, lowest number. I think they have. I think they just went down to four recently, and uh, four is the minimum number required to run a group. There
0: you go, Tony. Anything for you? Uh, no, I. Um... I concur about Mars. There's some good players there. Uh, There's been some discussion about um, kind of reorganizing the group and uh, retheming it um, and trying to recruit a GM. So if anyone is interested in uh, trying their hand at GMing on EU, that group is in desperate need of a GM before you complete your uh, combined arc. So uh, it would be a good place to find some uh, appreciative, receptive people for an incoming GM. There you have it, folks. And
2: this brings us uh, to the conclusion of our overview of uh, the vehicle games on EU. Uh, We've had everything else in the past. Uh, We've had BTS. We've had Dead Rain. We've kind of done it all. Uh, With the exception, I think, of like the real niche settings like splicers and systems failure, little things like that, that never really, and we've even had Nightbane not too long ago even. Um, but the, the more niche games tend not to last very long. Um, so let's move on to our Roll20 campaigns in 2020. Um, so quick overview, I guess uh, from the, from the top uh, we have, uh, we have a, we have uh, Riff's humble origins, which is uh, well, uh, basically the, the player characters are uh, low lifes. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, starting off, starting from uh, this, the game starts in in, in Merktown. It's Merktown centered now, uh, as determined by uh, group consensus. They want to stay in Merktown and role play in the town itself. So I did take them on one external adventure, so they've seen a little bit of the broader world. It was literally forty miles away from Murktown, so not much. <laughs> uh, but they did that, and they're like, "We don't really want to become Murks. We want to take over Murktown. We want to, specifically, we want to take over the black market because they're all kind of shady characters." Uh, so that's angle. Like
0: my kind of people,
2: right? Uh, that's the <laughs> angle. there. their big goal is. Take down Boss Dutcher and, be, and rule in his stead, which that's going to lead to some interesting gaming uh, and gaming not of your typical variety.
1: It's good to have goals, I guess. Yeah. Uh,
2: so th- that's the uh, that's the setting there. Uh, we have a, a, a full palette of players there, and uh, it was the one thing that the they could really use is some leadership. They have the direction. They know what they want to do now. Uh, we played through the uh, setting uh, last year. We started it and played through it somewhat last year. And that's the one thing that they need. They need leadership. If they're gonna take over a leadership position. They're gonna need a strong leader because um, at present there's no leadership. No, none of the players have stepped up to become that kind of role. Uh, they're, but at least they have the same goals and direction basically. Which brings us to our our next Palladium game, which would on rule twenty, which would be Palladium Fantasy, which will be going on tonight. Our session zero will be happening in about half an hour, um, and they actually, well, I'm going to be finding out here in about half an hour. But uh, what, what their long term goals are, getting to know their characters and everything like that. Uh, we've got a couple of new incoming players, uh, both wizards, and uh, which is interesting because they've kind of had more of a a hit them kind of focus you know the the warrior type focus or whatever to use classic D&D terms they've been a party of fighters for the most part Um, and it's an interesting group I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing where it's to where it's going to go I do have one adventure already set up for them and it it's going to happen and it's but it's not a big overarching kind of thing so We'll be finding out tonight during their session zero uh, what it is exactly they want to do, where they want to go with it. But this is also based in the Eastern Territories, just like the game on EU, uh, in the same relative time frame. And, well, uh, I don't know where they're, they're going to go with it yet. Um, they fact, they have, uh, that game, they've kind of not lacked direction and they kind of have a leader usually. Usually it was a a mage, Uh, but they always tend to have direction, even if they don't have clear leadership and there's not a lot of party conflict. So that's been good. Um, You get a lot of party conflict over in the ref's world 20 group, but not really like, like I want to kill that dude, but we will see where that heads. Um, But the fantasy group, uh, they've got direction and their main direction up to this point has been to flee the territory where they got betrayed and like, (laughs) <laughs> where they basically had a, a bit of a manhunt on after them. So they've managed to get out of that territory and I think they're heading to Lauren. They may change tonight. Don't know. Um, we will see. Uh, but the, the near future is set for them and what their long term goals are, we will discover tonight. Um, which brings us into the last and newest game uh, on Roll 20, uh, which is A Time of War. Now, this is a uh, an eu and Roll 21st for us uh it's not a palladium game it's not part of the that system uh and it replaced the heroes unlimited game that we had going for two years uh, by democratic acclamation uh people wanted this as an option um because i made it an option and so they selected it um and that kind of ties in with uh a setting overview that we'll have following very shortly. But uh, we have a bunch of players in that, and I guess the new game just attracted a whole bunch of new people. Um, But I think I will let the players here, since I've been talking too long, uh, tell us a little bit about what they've determined things are like in uh, a time of war so far as their group, and maybe give us an overview of their group and different kind of uh, members there.
1: So I can talk on mine. Uh, I play Galen. He's a uh, mech warrior. Uh, hardcore, all about being in a mech and being a mech warrior. Mech warrior is life. Um, but uh, what really drew me was the fact that I, I read all the, uh, not all of them, but most of the books uh, from the 80s and into 90s and into 2000s um, about uh, Battletech. And uh, I always loved the, the setting and... I love the lore that was behind it, and the uh, 3025 setting is a great time to actually be able to um, kind of maybe not influence the politics, but uh, at least get a grasp of what's going on in the the galaxy at that point.
0: I'm uh, just really starting to get into Battletech myself, but I'm starting to really appreciate the lore and the, the depth of the setting as well and just how kind of stark and gritty of a sci-fi it really is. Um, I play Ethelstein, who is a uh, FedRAT jump infantry commando uh, kind of special operator guy. So uh, I'm one of the few, the proud, uh, non-mech-having guys in a Battletech game, so we'll see how long I survive that way. Um, but uh, I really like our group composition. Uh, after our session zero the other day, it seemed like we had a really good, well-rounded group that um, had a lot of different competencies um, as far as um, coming together as a unit and being able to do things without, you know, all of us pretty much being like, Hey, we need an NPC to uh, fill a gap for X, Y, or Z. It's we had a really kind of basically capable unit in composition, uh, you know, immediately after session zero, we're all like, yeah, this can work.
1: Yeah. It was, it was really nice to actually see that we had been able to make uh, a bunch of people, separately who all were able to cover uh lackings in in other characters areas like there there's a little bit of overlap in some things but everybody was at some level able to cover for a weakness that another character had
0: definitely and uh it's not we're still kind of i think feeling out each other's characters and so far as uh how are the relationships really going to work and what have you but um I think that that's in character for the group right now. My impression is that the, the Merc company isn't that old and we all haven't been doing this together for that long. And so it really kind of fits in that here we are coming together as a company and getting to know each other as we're getting to know each other's characters at the same time. And oh, by the way, here's a mission and you better make some money. You know, sea bills, baby.
1: Oh yeah, all about the sea bills, but yeah, it is it is going to be nice, and um, uh, I think it's going to be a little more natural for the the character development, given that we uh, some of us don't know each other uh, as players, and getting to learn how the other players play, and also how the other characters interact, I think is going to actually help uh, rather than. Hit.
2: Yeah, and so just to give a little uh, a little depth on where this this group of. Uh... Fairly new to the whole Merc game, uh, (laughs) uh, where these Mercs are. uh, They're uh, on a little world that's known as Neops. And, well, Star System is known as Neops. It's in the periphery, right on the edge of the Free Worlds League, which is one of the major successor states. But it's also really closely adjacent to the Illyrian Palatinate. The Lothian League and the Marian Hegemony. And all three of these are at best a step above um, pirate states. (laughs) Uh, They're uh, they're they're out in the on the fringes of the of the periphery, so they're not in the quote unquote civilized inner sphere. And but they're really close to it and they're surrounded by all kinds of potentially hostile actors and they're a new merc group, their leader, um, who's, uh, who's called Sinus karma. Her, she's been, she's been, a, in doing military action and a mech warrior for about nine years. So she's about veteran level. Right. But, um, she broke off, uh, some years ago after her, her, you know, run her, her tours of duty in one of the, uh, one of the periphery powers was over and she's got her own little merc unit that uh, she's trying to make a go of it and this is their their first uh, tour of duty uh under under her command in and it's starting off in neops which is a small uh it's it's a one star system um power if you want to call it that uh the state uh, has one star system under its control uh which encompasses three inhabited worlds in the same star system um they're all fairly cold worlds uh, with a with a temperate uh, region around the uh, around their equators <clears throat> and uh they have an interesting social structure wherein it's basically a technocracy because the ruling class are the descendants hereditary descendants of folks from the star league like astronomers and uh, scientific observers or whatnot, who stayed there when the inner sphere fell into chaos almost 300 years ago. And they've just become kind of a technocratic ruling class, and there's, everyone else is kind of plebs, and they're, they do what they're told because the technocracy ensures a fairly high standard of living for the periphery, and they have a nice social safety net and everything going... So, they've effectively bribed their populace into what appears to them, at least, to be uh, permanent subservience to them. So, but we will see how that plays out in the long term as the uh, game setting goes on. However, uh, this is the kind of a world in which these mercs live. And, uh, you know, when you're surrounded by pirates and ambitious and kind of frat of kind of. Am- vicious and fractious power like the Free World's League, uh, which is very decentralized in many ways, uh, unlike the rest of the uh, Inner sphere states. It's a very kind of dicey place to be, and thankfully Neops is somewhat small and unnoticed, but they're also they're known to have a pretty good standard living out here in the fringes of the periphery, so they're often a frequent target of, of pirate raids which means you need someone to defend you. And uh, the Neops Association doesn't have its own large standing military or anything like that. They're too small to be able to afford that, but they can afford a lance or two or three of mercs. And so this is what they got. Um, and this is a setting in which uh, the players have found themselves. Anything else you'd like to say about uh, your group, the kind of uh, different, different players involved there, uh, characters involved there? Uh, their hardware you guys have access to, etc
1: So generally, uh, so for the group, there's, uh, I believe we ended with four mechs. So we had an entire lance. Uh, I think it was a heavy two mediums and a light or one medium and two lights. I can't re- I can't recall.
0: It was a uh, Thunderbolt, Javelin, Enforcer, and now I can't remember the last one. The last one would be John's Phoenix Hawk. Oh, yes. That's Phoenix right. Hawk. Yep. and uh then we had two vehicles as well one was a uh pack apc and the other one was a scout vehicle that i can't remember the name of
2: yeah the uh so there's uh the Packrat long range patrol vehicle and then there's the savannah master hovercraft which is a one-seater hovercraft that's just super fast uh It's basically a a good scout vehicle um,
0: or a harassing vehicle if you're desperate. (laughs) It's got a single weapon. And don't mind getting shot in the face, right?
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just keep moving. (laughs) You know, speed is life. And they got speed aplenty. Uh, Just lucky shots would be their doom. Um, So they have these and they have also one aerospace fighter pilot uh,
0: with a, a... it's like a medium um yeah, it, fighter. Well, and it, it, it's a pretty good fighter uh, from what I saw looking it up. It's got uh, a, a fairly decent weapons complement, you know, and, and it's not
2: ammo dependent,
0: so you don't no, have to ammo. Exactly. So as far as, you know, being able to call for air support, we can.
2: So uh it like they like they said it's a pretty well-rounded group and um and it's in this peculiar situation, which I imagine a lot of small, independent, first-timer Merck groups. It's like a startup business, uh, much like Ghostbusters. This is a movie about a startup business and trying to fight against, you know, the EPA. I mean,
0: uh, the NEOPS Association. Uh, <laughs> so, well, so you said that, and you and you compared it to Ghostbusters, and instantly my mind went franchise <laughs> 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 oh,
2: yeah uh, boy they've taken that one in the worst possible directions uh, however uh, I think uh, unless we have any more uh, uh, overview of the world 20 game in specific uh, let's dive into the uh, 3025 setting because Battletech has a large number of different settings all based on time it's there's one storyline But there's different time periods in which you can find yourself, because the lore, as these gentlemen have indicated, is a mile
1: deep. Just a mile?
2: Yeah,
0: it's it's mind-bogglingly large amount of lore. Uh, For for people that aren't familiar with BattleTech, it's I think it's important to cover kind of you know the the existence of the Star League. And that it fell and that now you're basically in the aftermath and it's often compared to kind of the fall of the Roman empire and that things are not as good as they used to be. You know, there, there's technology that was lost, the, the social, you know, stability and structures of the star league era, which is as humanity spread throughout the stars and you know, built civilization, as it were, and then when that fell apart, now you have the successor states, and with a lesser degree of technology, constantly fighting over whatever's left, and whatever's left is a pile that seems to be steadily getting smaller because the fighting never stops.
1: Well, and the reason that their um, their technology has been dwindling is because of all the fighting. Um, initially um after the initial uh the first succession succession war uh, they basically blasted themselves into almost a technological stone age
2: yeah uh, so as tony suggested uh, it's a good thing to begin with the beginning and uh so you get uh, the diaspora from earth way back in like the 22nd century and you know with the advent of faster than light uh what do you call it jump uh technology which I mean, we've seen this in iteration of uh, in like Battlestar Galactica and uh, Macross and other things, right? So being able to fold space and and jump from one place to the next. Um, So the diaspora happens and humanity just spreads throughout the stars. Well, because it's really hard to communicate and manage things over long distances, feudalism became the uh, political uh, organization which kind of held things together. Uh, You might have all kinds of different things from world to world, uh, you know, politically. You might have everything from despotism to democratic republics to, uh, you you name it. But we held them all together in confederations and what have you was feudalism. Um, And because of the nature of feudalism, you ended up with a hierarchy and you ended up with Ruling elites of uh, particular hereditary lines, and so this is how we get the five major successor states. Uh, eventually, um, th- there became a time when, uh, around the twenty-seven hundreds, when a, a the the central powers, as it were, kind of like Firefly in in that they're like the inner planets or whatever, um, they kind of take control. They establish uh, like a basically a, a kind of republic of the inner sphere, um, which is called the Star League, and uh, it was you know you have these member states, and then you have the Star League itself, which is like a super state, which uh, imposes uh, rules on all the rest, and and, and you know help, helps fight their helps fight insurrections and stuff like that, and, and brings peace and order. And there's a couple centuries of peace and order. <clears throat> And then, um, or not the 27th century, like the 23rd or something like that. Anyway, uh, so the Star League happens. It's a a golden age for humanity. Things uh, go really well. I mean, everything from terraforming to weather control, you name it. Uh, And then eventually, due to a certain periphery actors, uh, underhandedness and power seeking, uh, there's a coup and the Star League falls, and from there on out, all the successor states are vying to be the rulers of the entire atmosphere to impose a new Star League but with them at the head. So, and not this, you know, now thought extinct uh, uh, hereditary line that used to rule the Star League. So now you have uh, basically two and a half, almost three centuries of constant war. And their first targets in the first couple of wars were universities and manufacturing facilities and scientific facilities. And so they just lost the brains, like a lot of it, over the course of uh, 150 years of just pummeling heavy industry and uh, academia into nothingness. Uh, they lost a lot of the knowledge. Um, technological knowledge especially because that's what they focused on was eliminating the ability of their competitors
0: uh, to wage war. So (laughs) There was also um, a big impetus in the Star League to um, kind of uh, disincentivize kind of self-sufficiency and instead kind of foster interdependence throughout systems and you know seen as a way of kind of promoting stability you don't fight your neighbor when you need stuff from your neighbor Uh, and so uh, when it all actually fell apart that is frequently described as really kind of exacerbating how bad things fell apart quickly Um, it was because so many of the Colonies were not actually self-sufficient. Um, they may have, from, you know, been able to produce, you know, a, a you know important commodity there that other people relied on, and weren't self-sufficient for you know themselves, but they needed other things from them.
2: Yeah, it was a a, a giant uh, a giant interstellar market. So you had specialization, and you had. Uh, comparative advantage taking place and being allowed and even encouraged, and so whole planets would just go agriculture, and not be able to manufacture anything but the most rudimentary things. And you had other planets going all in on heavy industry and not even be able to feed their own populations. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of this, uh, and which was great when trade networks and and there was where we're trade networks were strong. And there's a robust communications and delivery system for all these goods. But after two and a half, almost three centuries of constant warfare, those things are in shambles. And so, yeah, things things have, have gone really bad. And things are, at this point in the setting, starting to kind of stabilize. Because it's been about 50 years since the end of the second succession where they realized, oh, my God, we can't keep doing this we're literally not going to know how to fix the things that we need to use to wage wars, uh, to wage these wars we, love, we want. And so they became, those all things, all those things became hands off. You don't touch those. So you don't shoot jump ships, because that's what delivers your, your pizza, you know? Uh, and that's what delivers the spare parts and everything else. So jump ships were, no, don't touch those, you can't shoot those. Uh, hyperpulse generators, you can't, you can't blast those, people need to be able to communicate. Uh, So these kinds of things became off-limits. Orbital bombardment, nuclear weapons, these all became, nope, can't use them. And so uh, things came back to conventional level and them not being able to project force like they used to because they no longer have warships. Um, So their navies are basically gone. Uh, So they're left with, you know, just being able to basically uh, ferry troops from planet to planet, but they can't actually project power across space. Um, so they're left with these, like, high-intensity, low-level conflicts as the means to
1: uh,
2: affect
0: their political change
2: that they want. But uh, <laughs> I think that it also
0: a, plays into setting. why mechs become, you know, so central. Is you know you can't orbital bombard, you can't. You know, uh, you, nobody has a navy. Nobody's willing to shoot at jump ships and drop ships and stuff because we can't build those anymore. You know, so mech fighting and controlling things on the ground becomes basically that's how it works.
2: Yeah, and uh, all the other standard conventional assets like vehicles, tanks, what have you, they're all still a thing. Infantry still very much a thing. Um, aerospace fighters, so. Uh, air superiority, still very much a thing. But the the warships that, that could orbit bombard or embargo planet, these are all gone. All they have is the drop ships, which are basically, you know, troop transports. They're boats basically that go into space. All they can do is like ferry assets from place to place. There's not even a lot of those that are very heavily armed. So they're <laughs> uh, they're kind of stuck playing uh a ground game uh when they were very much custom to for a couple of centuries playing a navy game which is much more high level and devastating but uh, you were able to project force so wars would actually result in hundreds of star systems changing hands instead of the maybe a dozen that you see now okay so i said in q a uh, Q&A, uh what, are, what are the uh questions that we have uh, we've given a brief overview uh, I guess we I could cover the uh, the, the major powers. Um, we have the Lyran Commonwealth, who are uh, very much merchant oriented and uh, German and Scandinavian in their uh, their ruling clan, as it were. Uh, that's their ethnic ruling uh, ruling clan, as it were. Uh, is House Steiner right? There's a so you can hear it in the name. Uh, you have the Draconis Combine, which is ca- it's very Japanese. Uh, they are kind of a throw. They're kind of representative of uh, the Bushido era, uh, shogunate era of of Japanese history and culture. So they're the ruling class. That's the cult. That's the culture of the combine. Although, of course, in all of these powers, there's massive diversity. So, but these are the the cultural systems under which everyone lives under. And their ruling ruling clan are known as the Curitas. And uh, so House Curita ruling the Traconis Combine. Uh, You have the Free Worlds League, which, like I said earlier, is uh, kind of fractious. Uh, They're ruled by House Merrick. And uh, they're they're incredibly diverse. Uh, And there's no real ethnic, like, dominance there of any any particular culture. There's Arab, there's, you name it in there. Um, You have the Capellan Confederation ruled by House Lao, who is, uh, their cultural uh, representation in here is pretty much Chinese authoritarian, Um, so that's theirs. And then you have the Federated Sons, who are kind of Anglo-European in ethnic origin, ruled by House Dabion. Uh, which is uh, like a Anglo-Franco kind of family. Um, And they're perhaps a little bit largest, although not by a whole lot, uh, successor state. But even though they are large and they have have a huge military, uh, they have a lot of space to cover. And so, you know, they're kind of spread thin. Uh, Then you have all the periphery states. I've already named a number, but the big players are the Magistry of Canopus and the Torian Concordat on the uh the rimward uh, edge of the inner sphere and the outwards alliance on the spinward edge and everyone else is kind of a bit player and small and uh or just pirate kingdoms uh, so setting q a gentlemen what kind of questions you got for me and who's got who's actually got the questions
0: well um to clarify this is specifically about the setting, you know, not about the game that we're going to be playing. Correct. In. Okay. Um, well, um, perhaps you could cover the um, the subject of Lost Tech and how um, you know, it basically constitutes treasure in a game like this. So, That's a good one. Okay, so um,
2: a lot of the, uh, because of all the in the loss of technology and knowledge. Uh, a lot of the things that they take for granted now, uh, like battle mechs and jump ships, these are things, right? They're, they're things that exist, but that they mostly don't know how to replicate anymore uh, to a large degree, right? Or if they do have the, the, uh, the means to replicate them, they don't understand the principles behind these things. They have just enough knowledge to maintain them, and it's kind of sketchy. So, but there's always, and I mean, in a galaxy this big, built with this many star systems, there's always uh, things that show up that have been overlooked, like lost copies of, uh, uh, in, you know, uh, Aristotle's work from 2,000 years ago. Uh, they find occasionally weapons, entire mechs, entire caches, Of things from the Star League era, because I mean, they presided for hundreds of years. So these things are found on occasion and they can sometimes make at the tactical level an incredible difference. Uh, So, and these things are everything from medical devices and equipment to, uh, you know, weapons. And all these things that are beyond their means of production or or anything now are called basically under the umbrella term
0: boss tech. And gentlemen, we're running short. Uh, so one more question. Oh. Lloyd, what's your favorite successor state and why? <laughs> um, I would actually say, uh, I would actually uh,
2: kind of uh, break that and actually say the, the my favorite uh, political power is the Marian hegemony because they're, or hegemony, I always What's your pronunciation uh because they're the most interesting uh periphery power out there uh, and they are basically stylized after the ancient roman republic and i'm a huge sucker for any uh ancient rome uh <laughs> so other than that uh, well, if it had to be a success state, i'd probably say uh, the federated sons uh, just because uh they're anglo they're, they're easier to understand and relate to etc anyway we're gonna wrap it there and uh we, we got a because we got a uh, roll twenty session zero to do, and gentlemen, it has been fun. I will,
1: I bid you adieu,
2: and have a good night. Good night.
1: Good night. This has been Radio Free Murktown, a WMRK production. Contact us at Radio Free at gmail.com and support Radio Free Murktown on Patreon for as little as two dollars per month. Visit us on the web at explorersunlimited.com for more information.